0: Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influence marketing company for fashion brands. Now, this is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer marketing in the digital age, as well as all things influence marketing, in right around 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm Holly Moran, and I am Marketing Manager for the UK here at Cure Media. And with me in the studio today, I am so excited to have Lauren Spearman, who is the head of consumer communications and social at made.com who are one of the leading and I think personal opinion, probably one of the trendiest brands in the home interior space right now. So thank you so much for joining us Lauren. Hi, thank you for having me. What an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've really like bigged you up now. <laughs> window, right? So I kind of watched in awe the kind of things you were doing in the influence marketing space that May.com were doing in the influence marketing space, particularly over lockdown, where you had to get a bit more creative. But I know that influencers are fe- feature quite broadly in your marketing strategy generally. So I think first things first, I would love to get your words mm-hmm. on why you as a marketing leader choose to work with influence marketing and why it's kind of a good fit for made.com um
1: that is a great question um I guess me like personally why I love working in this field is I, I know I love people I love meeting people getting to know people and I think um uh the the beauty of influencer marketing is you get to see your brand through other people's eyes um uh so you know, when we're talking about people's homes, uh, you know, we know that everyone's homes is you know, original and personal to them. So it kind of feels like for us at MADE, it makes sense that we would, you know, make sure that influencer marketing is, you know, uh, a, a large part of what we do here.
0: Yeah, I completely understand that. I think as well, something we talk about um, with brands we partner with a lot or more generally is the fact that it's a really big challenge for brands at the moment this kind of dwindling consumer trust, um, that they're just not as convinced by brands or by marketing as they used to be. Do you think influencers can go some way to kind of plug that gap?
1: Yeah, I mean, the kind of dwindling consumer trust, I mean, has anyone ever wholeheartedly trusted brands? Probably not. True. (laughs) Uh, you know, we, we know that people will trust people's, you know, word of mouth and their recommendations mm-hmm. far more than they would brands. And, you know, it's not to say they would never trust a brand, but it's a lot harder. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think influencer marketing helps us kind of humanise the brand as well. And, and I think, there's, yeah, it definitely goes a, a long way to, you know, helping, helping us plug that gap.
0: Yeah, because, uh, you know, influence marketing – is a a trendy new channel it's a nice buzzword but i think at its most basic form it's just peer-to-peer marketing exactly um, which in turn we tend to think of it as something quite new and novel but influencer marketing is getting a recommendation from your mate as early as we've had language and communication
1: (laughs) it's exactly that (laughs) it's just uh, slightly more glamorous now yeah
0: (laughs) yeah But there's, you know, people are talking now about statistics coming out about a kind of dwindling trust in the influencers themselves that consumers are getting a bit jaded. You know, I certainly see a lot of headlines around advertorial standards not being adhered to and Photoshopping gone mad that's really jeopardizing that relationship between the audience and their consumers or could jeopardize it. Do you think that's a concern for brands? Um,
1: I think not if you are – not if your influence marketing strategy is led from consumer insight, then mm-hmm. you'll be aware of that and you'll be evolving your strategy to kind of you know make that work. I think you touched it then around kind of beauty filters and things like that. I think you know the, the makeup brands that are um, you know succeeding the most and working with influencers are working with those influencers where it's not heavily filtered and things like that. So yeah. I think um, as, as long as you're evolving with whatever the consumer is saying – then you shouldn't be too worried. I think it's when you're kind of really stuck in the ways or you're forcing influencers to post really kind of heavily edited or content that doesn't feel authentic to their channels. That's when you're, yes. that's when the trust is going to uh, plummet.
0: For sure. So let's talk a bit more about influencer selection because to me that feels like it plays a really big role in how successful your brand building can be when you collaborate with influencers, um like you just said if it doesn't make sense in their story in their narrative if it doesn't fit in with their feed uh, consumers are quite savvy they're going to feel that something's a bit off there
1: yeah um, when you when you follow whether it's an influence or not it's just when you follow mm-hmm. anyone on on you know uh, social channels you get a bit of a feel for their style so when you know when they're working with brands where the brand has either been very kind of um kind of quite controlling of their content you really see that um so i think for us it's the way we kind of get around that is by making sure that we're aligning ourselves with the the people that we think are the right extension of our brand and what adds something to our brand or align with our values um so that we're avoiding that kind of jarring feeling of like you know someone looking at that content and going well they would never shop at made
0: yeah who would never though (laughs) (laughs) i want to shop made only (laughs) (laughs) Um, and when you're when you're picking these influencers, obviously there's a brand value match but are you also you know does it come down to data is it uh, an aesthetics consideration what goes into making those picks otherwise
1: yeah i mean data is great for helping provide insight but it's not the it provides us the insight but then it's what we do with that insight that i think leads to the work that we do um i think we you know, since we set up the advocacy team at May like three years ago, we've always been very clear that we will, it's not a case of we'll only work with someone if they've got a certain following. Cause I think that's just quite a, date, a, a dated approach. I think we will work with, you know, different creators of all different sizes, but it may be what we do with them is different, you know, um, uh, whether it's using them for their, for their photography skills or it's using them for, for their reach or, um, in lots of kind of different ways. Um, but I think, yeah, the data, the data is a good starting point, but it's not, um, you know, we, it's influence, the influence of my team kind of category is so creative. So it's, um, it, it, it helps us shape what that creative content can look like.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's something um, that we touch upon, is that. A, you don't have to work with the biggest account. You know, if if you can't afford Kim Kardashian, it's okay. There's still room for you at the influencer marketing table. But also that the different sizes of accounts and styles of accounts can really cater to different needs and objectives when you're yeah, working with them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, if if, for example, you know, Kim Kardashian, who's flaunting her kind of, you know, wealth suddenly mm. starts promoting land like you're just yeah. not going to believe it. Whereas someone that talks about budget shopping, it, it feels a lot more authentic. So you know, going back to the point earlier about consumer mm-hmm. trust, like if it just feels like it fits, um, and that's I think when consumers don't mind being pushed because they're being pushed something that feels real.
0: You yeah, know,
1: imagine that person shopping there, or actually that you know that person is showing you the best bargains because they, they care about that. In the same way with like luxury fashion, like. Um, you know, when someone lives and breathes it, it feels a lot more, it feels the same same level of authenticity, even if it's talking about kind of £3,000 handbags versus £1 washing.
0: <laughs> For sure. And how do you, when your team are, are looking at, you know, launching some new influencer activations, how do you find that balance between making sure that the content you're going to run or that the influencer is going to run, still remains authentic to them makes sense in their narrative but kind of fits with the the made.com mood board as it were
1: yes so um this is where I'm very vocal on like I don't think brands <laughs> should really have creative control on what goes on to creators channels I okay. think it's why we we do so much kind of work and building relationships with with creators that we think are you know aligned with with our brand and and you know, will be those kind of spokespeople for us. I also think it's really important that we take into consideration where the content is. You know, for example, like if it is on their channels, I don't believe that aside from, you know, maybe checking that they've got the right kind of ad declarations, that mm-hmm. they really have any any oversight on that. You know, they have these, you know, these creators will have built followings um, that, you know, we, we're working with them because they've built an audience based on, you know, um sharing you know what they love and what they do and their audience mm. comes to expect a certain kind of content so it should be their interpretation of our brand um so you know a, a sofa you know if we take you know if we give uh, 10 people sofas it's gonna look very different and very different homes because homes are so personal i think it's a very it's a little bit different if for example um we are working with creators to help us create content for you know paid advertising or sure. on-site for example like that I think where we then are super careful is making sure that we have a really well thought out and thorough creative brief mm-hmm. so that um you know and often on the bigger projects we'll make sure that we put time in with us creators to go through that brief so it's really really clear because I think the, the last thing we want to do is someone put time and effort into something and then we go oh, we don't quite like that we're a bit picky and um I think it's knowing where where and when we should and shouldn't have input. Um, and I think it made, you know, we love celebrating original homes and, and seeing, you know, I think we can all, we, you know, we all kind of know that typical Insta home. And I think where we're heading is celebrating, you know, homes of all shapes, sizes, appearances. Um, because, yeah, home is, a you know, often a reflection of your, your style and that can be different for everyone.
0: Yeah, for sure. And something that you said that stood out for me there is... Um that the influencers are the experts where their audience is concerned. They built that audience. Absolutely, so It's kind of insane when, it, if a brand were to come in and go, no, we need you to do it this way. And then I think what often happens is they're surprised when that content tanks. Yes. But and you're working with this person because they're the expert here.
1: Absolutely. And it goes back to, it goes back to those conversations about trust, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I think within influencer marketing, you know, we we put a lot of focus on the influencers and actually it's the customers it's their audiences we're trying to resonate with and we're not we're not going to do that by absolutely jarring with the type of content that they're used to seeing on those channels
0: yeah but another facet we talk a lot about always on actually kind of the reverse we tend to talk a lot about always on as something that's really beneficial for um, and just for our listeners always on We term as that kind of long- term commitment to influence marketing, very like what made.com does. Um, but we always talk about that as a benefit to the audiences. you know they're gonna get trust, they're gonna um, feel like the collaborations are more authentic. But it's as much a benefit to the brand and the influencer like you say because you have that opportunity to build that relationship and that trust in each other rather than just we want an ad go
1: <laughs> <laughs> you told you product, could you have a cheesy smile could you really yeah. do you write this exact caption that every other person in this campaign watch? <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's it just it shouldn't work like that
0: no so once you've got your influencers and your your content is all approved it's all ready to go what other factors do you think determine the success of influence marketing as a branding exercise
1: um i mean i guess where we see our our biggest successes for some of the campaigns that we run it's when there's support from other marketing channels you know Mm. we're we're kind of lined up it's not just going solo on their channels um you know i think there's still progress for us here at made like you know we're not 100% there but you know when when we you know when there's when there's paid support or you know there's there's something on the, the the site or you know other kind of channels or events or activations and things like that i think that's where we see um the most success i think that's one thing that we're definitely seeing more and more brands, you know, influencer marketing as part of that channel mix. It's not completely separate, which is, yeah. you know, I, I think that's right. It should be totally integrated into your marketing plans rather than this kind of like add on.
0: Mm. It's something that I, I think historically people have approached really um, within a silo. You yes. know, you'll often have a team for influence marketing or a person or a person who works in social, who also covers influencer marketing. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it's something that needs to be part of the wider conversation, and like you say, with, with adding in um, more channels, creating that journey and that story that goes across them, yeah. that's something that we really expect to see a lot more of in this year and twenty three. We're thinking that's we're, brands and, and agencies are going to get a lot more intelligent about how we use influencer stories outside of their immediate feeds
1: yeah and I think like I feel like for probably the last five years the, the trend predictions are always about long-term partnerships but that's still few and far between like there's not yeah. you know there's not many brands that are consistently working with the same people or or taking something longer than maybe a couple of months so I, I think mm-hmm. that's also like really important for us that we we try and build like long-term relationships with people or you know we'll we'll think long term when we're planning stuff. It's not, you know, for for us, it's not always just pushing new products. It's 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 pushing the brand. Um so, yeah. so how do we continue that conversation?
0: And given how saturated social media is becoming, yeah, brands are going to need to be a bit smarter in how they approach influence marketing. And that's something that made.com, you really got in there um I think even prior to the lockdown, but the lockdown really felt like a particular high point for you guys because you became really innovative um during that time <laughs> I think so anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you think that's something we'll see more of from other brands going forward
1: yeah I mean you have to right like if, if trust is dwindling how do you keep that attention or how do you gain yeah. that attention in the first place I think I think where I think brands probably need to, you know, really look at what is their USP within that 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 kind of influence and marketing category. Mm. Um, I guess you touched on it just then for us in lockdown. You know, we we are you know homewares and furniture brands. You know, so naturally, you know, we we benefited from people being at home in lockdown and really assessing their their spaces and things like that. Mm. So I guess our USP has become, you know, room makeovers. So you know, madeovers as we call them, which. They actually stemmed we do a lot of madeovers in community spaces um and that has yeah. stemmed uh, going back to my earlier point about consumer insight like we saw that we not necessarily with our content I think with with um, interiors content in general we we were seeing creators getting kind of slammed for you know redecorating their living room for the third time in two years, and that's just not yeah. how we, a, a real customer um behave so you know we started looking at okay well how can we work with these creators but rather than keep redecorating the same spaces how can we redecorate other spaces so we started with you know redecorating spaces for friends and family and then that led into other community spaces which we're we're super proud of and i think that's only going to get bigger for us um because, you know, we're still showing off our product. We're still working with amazing creators. We're still getting a nice story from it. But it's not this kind of just disposable mm. nature of furniture. You know, we we absolutely believe that when you're buying from us, you're buying long term. So how do we keep that? How do we keep that message going?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And obviously today our focus has been on influence marketing kind of as a branding channel. So we focused on that. Um, in your opinion, is it exclusively a branding channel or is there room for performance in there as well? Um,
1: Sorry, this is such a wishy-washy answer because I think there's an element of both. (laughs) Um, I I would say not exclusively branding. I think there are Mm. absolutely so many brands that see it as a a performance channel. Um, I think it definitely will depend on your product. Like we are, we're not a, you know, we're not an FMCG, you know, you're not, you're not going to be buying from us like you know weekly like you would toothpaste so uh, yeah but for us it, it is more branding led um but th- there is definitely an element for both um and i think what's important for us as we continue to evolve our strategy is how do we consider both um it's not a yes or a no there
0: <laughs> i don't think that's wishy-washy at all i think i think i would agree completely um different you know different tactics different strategies for different objectives is yes. is the basic rule really Yeah, marketing 101, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I think that is all we have time for today. It has been so insightful speaking to you, Lauren. So good. Everyone else listening, immediately go to atmaid.com on Instagram. Just print off all the pictures and hang them on your walls. (laughs) Like, I'm ruining your business. You don't need to buy anything. Their picture's that pretty. We'll just use them for wall art instead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us today. So that is all we will be covering today. Unfortunately, I know I could talk to Lauren forever, but the content doesn't end here. If you want to continue staying up to date on our weekly podcast episodes, what is happening in the consumer marketing scene, and of course, all things social media and influencer marketing, then make sure you follow us on our platforms at Cure Media. Otherwise, we will see you back here next week for a new episode of Influencer Marketing Talks.